Hey everyone, welcome to The Start. I'm your host, Patrick Johnson, and this week we're with the incredible, the one and only Jen Schiffer. Some of you may know her on Twitter, um, her name on Twitter. Well, it, her username is Jen Schiffer, but her person name is uh, J Money Dollars. So that's what I'm used to saying show up in my Twitter feed. And it was a fantastic conversation. Uh, a, parts of it got serious, which is fine, not serious in a bad way, but, you know, discussing serious topics, which I always appreciate. But generally speaking, she's like, She's a really cool down-to-earth person. She's got a ton of experience. Um, she's got a master's degree, I think, if I recall. Um, she's also taught a little bit at Montclair University. Um, and now she's a JavaScript beast. And she works with the fine folks at Boku, or at least at the time of this recording she does, in case she tries to, like, I don't know, leave or some shit. But, yeah, she's a really cool person. It was a really fun combo. Um, the way this sort of came about is um, my company hosted a meetup for – or provided the space for the code pen meetup in New York that happened in January. And there, uh, Jen and I got to talk, um, prior to that, I'd already invited her onto the show, but we, we finally got to talk and meet in person. And from that meeting, it was very obvious that it was going to be a very fun combo because she is very laid back. She's very open in, in discussing topics and she doesn't seem like the kind of person that open outwardly passes judgment on you. Uh, so Jen, if you're listening and you pass judgment on me, I'm passing it back to you, I guess. Or not. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. But yeah, it was a really good episode. We talked about our life. I didn't know this, but she was born in Brooklyn. Uh, spent her time between Brooklyn and New Jersey, which is interesting to me because I haven't met that many people who were born in Brooklyn. Uh, it doesn't seem like a very common thing now. But we also talked about some of the work, right? And the idea of like open source technology, the idea of the internet, shit like Twitter, all that kind of good stuff. It was, you know, we talked about our life. We talked about the industry. It was a very good mix for an episode. And it was a really, really fun episode. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I got to meet Jen and I got to speak with her. And I hope that in the future we get to talk about random shit still too. Um, with that, I will leave you with our episode, uh, a few pieces of admin. I always say that, right? Like it's like, it's ad- administrative work that you guys, that you, all you listeners need to do. It's not at all, but if you can, please, uh, review rate or share this episode or the podcast in general. It's very appreciated by me. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, want to tell me how awesome or how terribly I'm doing, you can always do that on Twitter. I'm the start FM on Twitter. So just hit me up there too. But with all that being said, I will stop talking and here's my conversation with Jen Schiffer. Hey, Jen. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, this is obscure, but I figured I'll tell you anyways. So I first learned about you through the internet. Well, not through through a person. So Carolina Store was on the show in season two or three. Um, and her and I were chatting. And I was like, is there anybody else that you think would be cool to have on the show or that I should know about that maybe I don't know about already? And she was like, Jen Schiffer. I say your last name right? Schiffer? Yep. Okay. Jen Schiffer and Brian. And I don't know Brian's last name. But Brian Brennan. Curly haired Brian. Curly haired Brian. Brian Brennan. With the mustache. My coworker. Yeah, yeah. 
And my best friend. Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, Brian Loves Words or whatever his Twitter name is. Yep. Um, so then she was like, you need to follow these people. And I was like, okay, done. And then after I changed my pants because I was laughing so hard at the random shit that you tweet, I was like, all right, she needs to be on the show. And then when you uh, – so my office did the CodePen meetup, and we were talking. And when you forcibly said that T is for peasants to me, I was like, this is it. This is done. This, this, this needs to happen. So I'm, I'm glad that you're on the show. <laughs> It was like a I was, super mild I was just thinking like, yeah, that does sound, that does sound like something I would have said. <laughs> it was great though, because it was like, you're like, yeah, you know, I have coffee in the morning. It's like, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. I was like, yeah, I don't drink coffee. I drink tea. And just like very calmly, you were just like, tea is for peasants. And ever, I mean, I laughed. I thought it was hilarious <laughs> because it was such a shift in conversation. But that was, that was the point in which I knew that this would be a fun talk. <laughs> and here I am on this peasant podcast <laughs> yes exactly so thank you for lowering your standards oh it's it's fine it's sunday that's my day of the week to <laughs> come down to everyone's level <laughs> that's fair that's when you go to the commoners coffee shop mm-hmm. or tea place whatever <laughs> um so jen for the listeners why don't you give everyone a quick spiel on who you are and i like good jazz okay um so yeah my name is jen with two n's I am a web developer at Boku, official title Open Web Engineer. Uh, And I am a, I guess I'm a a comedian. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's a a weird weird thing to call myself that. Um, I write text satire, so satirist or humorist. Wait, do you Um, really write text satire? That's a legit question. I didn't know that. I do, yeah. Not so much anymore, but um, past couple of years, most people on the internet have come to know me through uh, text satire that I had written on Medium when Medium first uh, came out. Yeah. When it wasn't the Williamsburg of the internet? I mean, it was always what I call the TED Talks of blogging. And <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair analogy. And because of that, it was very easy for me to write satire and have people fall for it and think it was like a legitimate publication. I mean, it still happens oh, God, today. Yeah. I'll get comments from people that have read something I wrote two years ago thinking that it was um, serious. Uh, but yeah, and then, you know, I tell, I have a, I guess, an eccentric Twitter personality. Uh, but I don't like to call it my internet personality because I feel like I'm the same way in person that I yeah. am on the internet. It's just that Twitter is just a different platform. Uh, I, I speak yeah, in I, I, more than 140 characters, but my ideas come from the same place, and I will just say what my ideas are. Just the context fair. is different in person than they are on uh, on the computer screen. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. You know. You and I have not spent a ton of time together, uh, with the exception of obscure banter on the internet, which is totally fine. Um, but when we did meet at the CodePen meetup and we chatted for a little bit, you, I, it was not a situation where you were uh, posing to be anyone that you weren't. Like It was very much a one-for-one one across the board. So who you were online is who you were in person. And I, I, don't, I, I also feel like, though, the, the types of random shit that you tweet you, it would take some really big balls to be a different person in real life if that's how you 
react, uh, interacted with people online. You know what I mean? Like that, in, in that instance, if, if you're going to be super obscure, uh, sometime mildly offensive and just generally funny, hopefully that's your personality in person too. Otherwise you're going to let a lot of people down. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that I do is not different from everyone else I know in terms of like the thoughts that they have and the jokes that they make. Uh, I think that a lot of people use their Twitter account for um, very specific purposes, like uh, just for tech tweets or just for jokes. And me, I just have like this one catch all personal account that is just everything. So like all of people who tell others like, Oh, if you want to follow someone in the JavaScript community and you want to like learn about like front end and back end JavaScript, like follow Jen. And then I feel bad because like my last <laughs> tweet could have been something about, I don't know, like wondering if Donald Trump wears pajamas at night, you know, <laughs> and like, I imagine people going to my account being like, Oh, I was told by this like prominent figure in Woodville that I need to follow Jen because she tweets about tech. And then they like see that and they're like, wait, what, what is this a joke? Um, and the, and, the, and the case is also when I worked at the NBA, I had a lot of people who would follow me about sports, but I don't, I, I rarely tweet about sports. So they're kind of like, I'm unfollowing you because this is ridiculous. This isn't what I was expecting. This is false advertising. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's okay. Uh, personally, I think it's good that some people you included don't take it, it or yourself yourselves too seriously. So it's not, you know, I mean, it's nice. It's refreshing. I think, especially in the, the age of the internet in which we are in, everyone is trying to, this has been a, a longstanding thought of mine that I've never publicly said. So I'm about to sound like an idiot. Be prepared with Twitter and shit, making stuff super easy to connect with other people. I think now is a time in which everyone realizes that they might have a slight chance of being internet famous. So everyone's trying to purport themselves as this, you know, professional, smart, educated uh, person, when in reality, all of us have fucking trouble putting on our pants in the morning. But nobody talks about that. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's it, it's good. I, I think it's refreshing. I tweet like a 15-year-old boy. Like, I just say stupid. Yesterday, I said NPR. What was it? Uh, the NPR voice is the man bun of podcasting. That, that like, I feel bad for anybody who has to read the shit that I write. It's terrible, but it's sort the cool of, thing I is know. I don't have to read it. Yeah, that's right. No, that, that's, that's a, and yeah. And they don't pay. People me forget that. Shit, like so. people say like, Oh, your Twitter account is like, Oh, you tweet too much. Like, cool. Like that's your problem. Not mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you're going to, if you don't already follow Jen on Twitter, you'll have to, and we'll get her info in a bit. Jen, I did have a, a separate question that isn't related to Twitter, but what was it like being raised in Brooklyn? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I had a weird family situation. Um, my mother passed away when I was really young and I like lived with my grandmother for some time. And then my father remarried and then we moved to uh, New Jersey so it was like in between Bay Ridge, Brooklyn and like Old Bridge, New Jersey, which is like central. Although like anyone who's from New Jersey will like yell at me for calling it central. Um, but they could eat a bag. I it's it's central Jersey to me. And Brooklyn was Brooklyn, the, the, it's my, my childhood is more of like the whole dichotomy between Brooklyn and like suburban area of New Jersey where like 
in Brooklyn, we didn't have a car. Like we got around yeah. like with car service and stuff, which was mm-hmm. always frightening to me. I hated getting in the car with strangers. And my grandmother would always like insist that we would get into a car service uh, car to go to like McDonald's or to Coney Island. Uh, and I just, I hated it. But then like we moved to New Jersey where like my dad like had his own car and cars were always like a strange thing for me. Like I vividly remember my first car ride ever. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, I was only a few years old, but I just remember like not liking it. And this is different. Um, and yeah. So like when I think of like the difference between uh, Brooklyn and, and New Jersey in terms of like living in like a dense city versus the suburbs, I think of like how we got around everywhere. Uh, yeah. I think of like in Brooklyn when we were doing laundry, like, my dad had like a little laundry cart and I would sit on top of the pile of laundry and we'd go to the laundry mat. And in New Jersey, it was like, we hop into his like pickup truck and we could do more laundry at once versus like whatever we could fit into the cart with me. And it also, also my dad and his uh, new wife then had two kids. So I had two younger siblings. And so it was like the life with like my family there. And then like when I visited my grandmother and it was just her and I, so it was kind of like a fun, like, vacation from like the little little kids and stuff like that uh yeah and yeah. they um your siblings uh they're younger i take it yeah i have a half sister who's three years younger than me and a half brother who's seven years younger than me we all have the same father um they have a different mother than i do uh they don't work in tech i guess they work in like hospitality my brother is a, a bartender he can like juggle bottles and stuff uh, oh, that's pretty cool. And my sister is um, a server at uh, like a beachy resort kind of place in uh, Florida, in Miami. Oh, where? Oh, in Miami. Okay, yeah. I grew up in Florida. It's a terrible place. Don't tell <laughs> your sister I said that. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's. I don't know. I, I definitely have not had that experience in life. Like, I grew up in Central Florida. I also, my brother and I share our, our commonality is our mother. So we have different fathers. Um, he does work in tech though. He's actually been on the show before and it's, it's, it's nice. What's nice about having an older brother that works in tech is I can be like, Hey, Aubrey, what did you do that I shouldn't do? So tell me all the things you fucked up on that way. I don't have to fuck up on them. Um, and it works for the most part, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I like, it's interesting cause you know, you talk about your childhood and get and remembering your first car ride. My mom, the only thing I remember about cars that early on is the kind of cars my mom had. And it was because it was like an old like Volkswagen Fox beater. It was like from the early eighties and we were in like mid ninety in like the mid nineties. And it was like a old just stick shift. And it was, we also had a black and white TV for a very long time. Um, so it's interesting. I've never thought about transportation as like the, the crux of not a necessarily a life experience, but definitely like a, the one main thing that you remember in your childhood. My thing is like my friend had a trampoline and that was like the talk of the neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah. And like my dad grew up very poor when I was younger, we we were poor. And so like, we didn't really have any technology. Like a lot of my friends that I work with, uh, they all had like started programming, like when they were like seven years old and they like remember like their first computer game. Like my, my family, we didn't have a computer, uh, in our apartment until, uh, my junior senior year of high school. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, and so, like, my, my interaction with computers was really, like, solely, like, 
I mean, in elementary school, we, like, played math games on one, but then, like... Number munchers? Did you play number munchers? See, I don't even, like, remember. I remember oh, one with, like, so cars, good. and it was, like, every time you answered uh, a question correctly, your car would go up ahead. It was, like, a race. And then if you made it to the end, you won. They would, like, replay it as if it were an actual race. And I remember the spectators, like, the noise in the game, they had, like, these, like, cartoons looking on, and they were, like... I'm trying to think of why they were yelling. I think like the car that lost that did the worst would crash. It was very dark. Uh, oh jeez! And like the spectators would be like, "Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no!" <laughs> and then like, but in this like jumbly, like almost like text-based game, you see this like four-pixel car like kind of like go upside down, and that was a crash. And that, I, I'm thinking of it now for the first time in a while. I'm like, wait, why did the car have to crash? Why couldn't it just lose? But I don't know. Uh, and this was this race was just a race between you and three other just fake people, correct? It, yeah, it was me versus okay. the machine. Um, and it was just like math. Like it would just be like three plus four equals what? And like you're like seven. And, and then like your car would move, move up ahead. And... Yeah, so, like, that was, like, my main interaction with, with computers as a young kid was, like, stuff like that. Also, like, I really was interested in learning how to type, and uh, uh, I, I would uh, try to get out of having to go to gym because I wanted to play, like, Mavis Beacon, learn to type. Uh, <laughs> I, like, made my friends call me Mavis Beacon because I just thought that, like, that's, like, just one of the coolest names ever. Uh and the so coolest I, name I've ever heard is uh, Remington McAllister Long. Yeah, like that's a, that's a good name yeah. too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my but like when I whenever I went to my grandmother's, like there was no technology at all. There was no like computer. Um, there was like a like a black and white TV, and then eventually that became like a little bit like uh, of a little bit bigger like color TV, uh, but. And, and, like, in Bay Ridge, there's, like, not... The, we were right near Leif Erickson Park. There wasn't much green space for us to play mm-hmm. in. Um, it was a lot of, like, my grandma and I, like, running errands and, like, going to McDonald's. Yeah. Not to, like, really eat, just because I liked the Lego toys um, that they would give out. And then we would go to Coney Island. Uh, but, like, I had to, like, lie to my parents and say that we were going to this children's park, Nellie Bly, instead because my um, stepmother did not like uh, my grandmother bringing me to Coney Island because it was the safest area back then. Um, and I, I actually, I, I don't think that they know the truth about that. But yeah, I used to go to Coney Island all the time. Y'all. Uh, it's out now. Haha, suck it. Uh, <laughs> 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 and yeah. So when did you get into computers then? If, uh, well, with the exception of maybe speaking. So yeah, I like didn't really grow up with much of an interest in computers until um, when I was in high school and I started, or in middle school, I started babysitting the neighbors and they all had like computers and stuff like that. So that was like when I would use them. And I liked to draw on the computer. I always loved drawing, uh, making art and stuff like that. And so I was like, oh, a computer is like another thing that you can use to make art so I'll give that a shot and then like I learned about like the internet and how you can like not only make art on the computer but you can also have like strangers see your art and I kind of liked that I was very like 
uh, I was very sheltered uh, as a kid. And so, like, I like the idea of, like, having access to, like, the rest of the world, like, mm-hmm. through the computer in a way that, like, my stepmother, like, couldn't, like, know. Um, I just That's really fair. didn't like her. And so that was, like, my rebelling against her. It was like, well, I'm going to make friends on the internet and they're going to see my art. Uh, and then like, that's how I got into like making websites, which is what I do for a living now in a whole more complicated way. But we got the computer when I was in high school and GeoCities was a thing. And I was really into the band Weezer. And so I was like, I'm going to use GeoCities and make a Weezer fan page. And that's like where it took off from. I feel like everybody, Everyone our age, just, I'm, I'm 27. I don't know how old you are. I'm making I'm turning 31 this week. Cool. So I'm going to take this back. Everyone that's a grandma like you, I'm kidding. You're not a grandma at all. <laughs> um, no, everyone our age, I think their introduction to the internet in some form was a fan page. I've had a few people on this podcast that have done a fan page or something of, of the sort. So someone uh, was in like a Sims fashion design community. Mm-hmm. So like you can make clothes for the Sims and they did that a lot. Uh, and they obviously put them online for other people to download. Somebody else did like a Pokemon fan site. Somebody else did like a Tamagotchi or Neopets fan site. Like, and I think that's what ends up happening when you're a kid. You're just like, I'm just going to talk about what I like because that's what I know. Right. And I think I've, I've, I think I've had it with someone else where they did like a, a fan site for a game that they liked. And they basically just copied another fan site, which was fine because that was like, you know, they're introductory to the internet. And I think what's always cool about it, and I personally still get this, like the warm fuzzies about this is you make something on your computer and now you do some crazy complicated fucking deploy process just to FTP into something and drop files on a server. And then you go to that domain and that thing exists for everyone to see. And that is like, it's still pretty fucking cool. Like that hasn't gone away. Yeah. It's just like, just thinking about it now, like, I mean, one, I wish that GeoCities was around, so I just, like, fucking make a website and, like, not have to deal with, like, source code and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Like, to take it back to the earlier days. Uh, and then I, like, wonder, I'm like, what are people who are young now doing to get into, like, web development? Like, are they, like, reading... Instagram. Are they, like, reading my tweets? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, the future generation of web developers are totally fucked if, like, <laughs> this is where they're getting. Ten years from now, bosses are like, why do we have so many assholes that work for us? Yeah. Well, it all stems back from this one tweet from this one person named Jen Schiffer. Yeah. And it said, fuck peasants always. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, I, I don't... I love peasants. No. Uh, <laughs> the, so, like, the, the, the peasants thing has, like, sort of a backstory where, like, I I usually, like... I'm trying to think I, I mentioned it today to my boyfriend like so I my my apartment in Jersey City is pretty big but my bathroom is hilariously tiny it has a standing shower but it's still like a great space I love it here and yeah. like you're not going to leave Cobble Hill I'll probably never leave this apartment it's just so yeah. great and cheap and awesome um but whenever I travel I always like hope that the hotel I'm staying in has a bathtub because that's like luxury <laughs> for me now. It's just to sit yeah. and have like a bubble bath. I can't do that here. And so 
one day for work, I went up to Boston because that's where Boku's main office is based. And I went to the hotel. I was having a bad day. And I'm like, oh, there like better be a tub here. And there wasn't. It was a, it was like a fancy like room size standing shower. So it was very luxurious. But like I just wanted a bath. Yeah, and you and can't sit on like, the shower oh. floor. Like I'm like I ha- and I just sort of like treating like I have a bad day. I was hoping for a bathtub. But now it's like this fancy standing shower. I have to wash myself standing up like some sort of peasant. And that's like where that phrase sort of came from. So it's like this like self-deprecating, like privileged, like, oh, I have to do this like actual, like pretty luxurious thing, but like I'd rather be doing something else. This must be like what it feels like, you know. It's a it's a perfect word to uh show humorous disgust in a non-offensive way yeah like to call someone a peasant no one takes you seriously it's like oh like my bread maker's broken so i have to knead this bread like the cavemen used to you know (laughs) like this completely (laughs) like removed (laughs) surreal like vision of like how life is for people outside of like your own space which is what i feel like a lot of people in tech have like lost their grip on and i like to make fun of that and that sort of plays into the satire that i write about tech it's a sort of like loss of like grip on reality of like how people actually live outside of like our bubble of like yeah extremely well-paid like you know tech people yeah no i think that's fair and it's it's hard i've i've thought about that recently in a similar vein and like thinking about how well we have it versus, I don't know, fucking people who work on enterprise level Dells at, a, at an accounting firm. Um, but more importantly for me, at least lately in the work that I've been doing is a lot of it has been around performance. I say a lot, I don't know shit about performance, not to the extent of like anyone like Lara Hogan or anybody else. But um, what ends up happening is we work at companies that spend a good amount of money to give us the best tools out there to make things. But the people who, view like uh, a good example i just built southernliving.com at work we helped redesign and redevelop it and my girlfriend's mom has been a southern living subscriber for 35 years and she'll look at it luckily she's got a mac now but when she didn't have a mac she'd have to look at on some shitty old pc um which is like probably a hunk of junk and i'm probably like a peasant like a peasant yeah (laughs) (laughs) um And I'm like, you know, I could be doing, I guess what I'm getting at is what ends up happening is we tend to do like the latest and greatest when it doesn't necessarily work for everybody. So in a different vein, you know, it's still thinking outside of it's, it's being aware of that people live outside of your realm of comfort. It's having empathy. Yeah. That's it. It's, you know, our, our industry greatly lacks empathy and we're building things for people who aren't us. We're the ones that should have that empathy, but yeah. I mean, it's not, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not the worst that it's been, but you know. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is I was talking to my buddy Corey the other day and he was explaining to me how when he, Corey's, I think he's a little bit older than you. He's, I think he's in his mid thirties. I could be way wrong though. Um, but his first job, he didn't, he did like community college and then he bounced out of community college. Um, and got a job working with some dude who might've been a couple years older and he would literally go fly around the country with this dude and go to uh, like data centers where they would by hand like upgrade a server, and that's what he did in like the nineties and shit. I think my timeline's probably way off, but we don't <laughs> have to touch. We don't have to touch that kind of shit. So yeah, life could be 
life for us could be way worse. It could also be way better because we could all be doing this shit in a hammock, not get carpal tunnel or just not be on the internet and think we're all right all the time. Could be that way too. That's my goal. Yeah, I've stopped responding to people. Like the whole, you know, you know, the comic strip, it's like time to go to bed. It's like, no, wait, someone's wrong on the internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I used to be that guy or try to, I think everybody did right. Not in a, and it's, we're, we're in the uh, community. We're reaching an interesting ground where depending on who you are and how you say it, it might be taken as mansplaining or it might be taken in a wrong way, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, but which is fine. Uh, Cause text-based communication isn't the greatest for displaying emotion. But um, yeah, sometimes it's nice to correct people, I guess, right? If they're preaching the wrong information, you don't want them to look like a dummy, but then sometimes it's just not even worth it. Right. I also think that like the way that, and and as someone who gets yelled at on the internet a lot, um, the way that you approach people who are incorrect is the most important thing. You know, you could have someone who blogs about some tech thing and they're completely incorrect. And you can yell at them publicly or you can like figure out a way to contact them in private, which is pretty easy these days and be like, yeah. Hey, like this is incorrect and give them an yeah. opportunity to fix it. And nobody really does that. So like with my satire, I'll like be blatantly incorrect about things. And like, I just get like yelled at all the time. And I'm like, you see, this is like what's wrong with our culture here where everyone yeah. is just so quick to yell at someone for being wrong in order to like, make themselves feel like correct like why can't we i don't know why can't we just be like nicer yeah i think you know you bring up the empathy bit and i definitely agree with that personally i think empathy is a two-way street so let's say i wrote an article on performance right because i was just talking about that and i had no empathy for the people reading it or the fact that you know they might be smarter than i am and i'm this condescending you know dude who's like I don't know, acting like he's hot shit. And then you're like, actually, Patrick, what you're talking about is wrong because X, Y, Z, right? So me not having empathy, understanding that other people are going to read it and other people might be more informed on this topic than I am might change the way that I then react to how you, you know, corrected me essentially. So it's like this, I don't know, it's weird. I I definitely agree with you. I think there are better ways to go about informing someone when they may or may not be correct. Um, and then for that person who's getting corrected, there's a really good way, essentially it's humility, right? It's a really good way to take some advice almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had people who are extremely condescending who write blogs that like they try to make decisions for everybody without much basis um, or knowledge and they'll get yelled at and they'll be like, this is like harassment. And then I will write something and I will get death threats and they'll be like, well, that's what you get for putting yourself out there. And it's like, wait a second. Like, you know what this is like. Like, yeah. there's just like a lot of forgetting and like introspection and remembering yeah. like experience. But then that's like another whole part of the problem with, with our culture and in tech is the whole, like everyone's pulling the ladder up from behind them. Like there's this whole, like I've got mine. So, you know, you're all on your own mentality. Yeah. That's, you know, there was an article on the internet that was probably terrible. I only read the title and it was like, uh, what I learned from X and why it's important. And that to me, you know, you, you brought up this like pull, I never heard the phrase pulling the ladder behind them, but I think that's a, a perfectly accurate one. 
where I think what ends up happening is everybody sees themselves as some kind of, I don't know, thought leader to some regard. I, I, and I, and I say that thought leader distinctively, because I think there's one thing to be like, Hey, I worked on Southern living. They had to do things these ways. And here's sort of how we went about that. Like it was, it was sort of interesting. It worked. I don't know if it's the best, whatever. That's one way to approach it. Right. Of just sharing the knowledge. And I think that is empathy. It's humility. It's approach. And the other side of it is like, I rebuilt Southern living, which is 5 million uniques a month. And I did it on my own and I did it like this. And that just sort of carries a different tone, right? It's this like pseudo authoritative tone. And what I feel like is happening now is everyone, I say everyone loosely, right? Like a handful of things published on the internet carry this pseudo authoritative tone, which in my opinion, immediately sets the ground for like, there's no way that you're going to tell anyone that they're wrong when that's the tone of the piece that they publish. Because inherently they're already trying to set up this story that they are the end all be all for this thing. They're pulling that ladder up behind them, not giving anybody anybody else an opportunity to climb on board and help out and support. And then it just creates this like terrible, terrible breeding ground of people do it because they think it's the right thing to do. And then it creates just like shitty internet. It it creates shitty internet all around and I'm going to randomly keep talking about this. So feel free to tell me to shut (laughs) up. Um, no, you're you're correct. Most of the internet is shitty because of people um, letting their identity be what tools they're using, and yeah. not letting their identity be like I'm a web developer and there's lots of things that I can use. And, you know, yeah, yeah, and and the I guess the I mean I I work in like the open web like technology world like my company like the mission is to move the open web forward we build web applications we don't do like native stuff and we want everyone to have access to open web technologies and i also feel like learning should be an open thing so like when i'm learning something i put it out there like i'm learning this thing this is what i'm doing and I try to be very clear with like why I make the decisions that I made, but also saying, giving the opportunity to be like, so I decided to use X because I read about it here. But if this is not like the correct one, I would love some feedback on like yep. what can be used instead. And when you approach it that way, people are less likely to be like, ew, why'd you do that? You have to do this way. Cause like you said, there's like a tone set when you write about tech and w- yeah. whatever tone you write in, that's how people are going to respond. But like 10 times uh, more that way. Yeah. And so I myself struggle to write about tech. I don't blog. Um, I hate blogging. I think everyone should stop blogging. And Wait, what do you mean by blogging? And I'm asking that because like, <laughs> I f- well, I feel like in like 2000, 2010, it was like, oh, I'm a blogger. And then now it's like, like on occasion, I will publish things on my website that also automatically publish to Medium. I don't consider myself a blogger, but sometimes I'll put shit on the internet that isn't a project. Well, I, I mean, I'm kind of being like, there, there's some hyperbole to like when I'm, I'm saying like, no, like stop blogging. Um, I feel like whenever I go on Twitter and I see people like my peers, my colleagues, my friends, um, arguing about a tech thing first i'm like uh this is like so boring why does everyone talk about tech um yeah what about me let's talk about me (laughs) (laughs) um 
And then I then I see like it's in response. I'll, I'll go in IRC and be like, "Hey, why is everyone like yelling about JavaScript?" Or like, "Oh, this person wrote a blog." And I'm like, "Oh, you see, this is what happens when you write a blog. Like everyone gets mad." Yeah. And, you know, and so I kind of have this like, like don't don't blog. Um, yeah, I you know, I I feel like that happens. So again, I'm gonna remove it. I remove things from technology because I'm terrible at technology. And I like I was talking to somebody. I was like, I'd love to do a talk at a conference, but I don't want to give a talk about technology because I don't know shit. But hence why I often remove things from technology. But I feel like what is very commonplace now is that it's it's incredibly easy to be on the winning side of an argument. So everyone just does that. So let's say somebody was like, React sucks. Here's why I use Vue.js. A majority of the JavaScript community would probably argue against that kind of stance. So it's incredibly easy to be like, no, React is great. Here's why. And then, you know, let's, and I'm making this up. Let's say Paul Irish chimes in, someone who's notable in the community and is like, yeah, I don't agree with that. React is better. Everyone's just be like, yep, Paul Irish said it. All right, let's go to that side. And then inherently you've got a bunch of people who are in blind agreement with a decision they may or may not made strictly because it's a lot easier than like actually doing a bit of research or being knowledgeable or, you know, learning about that topic or whatever. And I, I think personally that extends to a lot of things, not just technology. The one potentially uh, touchy subject that I would bring up is I remember when uh, Brendan Ike was like removed from CEO of Mozilla. Um, and to my knowledge, it was because information surfaced that he had donated to an anti-gay lobbyist group or something like that. And everybody immediately, I mean, that, that's not the greatest thing to do in the world at all. I'm not, by no means am I saying everyone should give their money to anti-anything. But um, I think everyone blindly made that decision without looking at the fact that, one, he's the creator of JavaScript. So he's actually embedded in our lives much more than we think outside of Mozilla. And two, he's been at Mozilla before it was Mozilla. Like, he's been there for a while. So it, it like... Well, he created Mozilla. But, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, it was him and a few other people, right? Because it was Netscape yeah. and then it was Mozilla or something. Um, or like Mosaic and then – anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, and the point that I'm making there, it's less about where he donated money and more about being like, well, wait a second. He's actually been an integral part of these things that I use every day and it hasn't actually been that bad. So maybe him being CEO and him doing this thing once or twice or whatever – actually doesn't hold that much impact in the things that I do on a daily basis. So for me, it's actually sitting down and just thinking about it. Now that does, I mean, you could think about it and still come to the conclusion that no, you don't, you would prefer not see him as CEO. And that's totally fine too. But I think the important part for all of these things is rather than blindly picking a side to actually inform yourself a bit on a topic and then maybe make a decision that way you don't look potentially stupid. Yeah. That's that's a lot to take in because that situation yeah, I just dropped in a bomb itself it was very complicated. It was, um, and and I consider Brendan a peer. We've spoken at conferences together and and we, we chat, but we've never had a conversation about that situation because sure. it's not something that I know enough about. Exactly. Um, but he also knows my stance on like gay marriage and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but you know, is it wrong though to? not think that someone can be a CEO if they have a sort of political stance. That's like, I don't think it's wrong for people to think like that should have been a case, but again, and in terms of like people blindly choosing a position on whether mm-hmm. somebody said something, I think, mean, yeah, that's like issue. A lot of people are very quick to 
jump on to the ideas of an individual. There are people who take everything I say, like if I said that this is better than that, they'll say like Jen said it. So I agree. Uh, and I love that because yeah. like, who doesn't want people to like hang on your yep. every word? Like it feels really good. Um, but would I, but then I'm also res- more responsible in that I'm not going to go on Twitter and be like react is better because I don't have the background, the research, yep. you know, as opposed yeah. to like Paul, uh, Paul is like super knowledgeable. He's great at his job. And so when people like hang on to his every word, like they should, because he is responsible and he just doesn't like make these like blind political, you know, tech statements about things like most VCs on Twitter do who, you know, <laughs> are more like caricatures of, yeah. of real humans to me uh, than others. So it's like just people need to be more careful with, what they take stock in, who they take stock in. Um, And if you read somebody that has like a lot of followers and they're saying like, this is a thing that's better than another, like it doesn't mean that you have to stop researching that um, or even questioning that questioning is fine. Again, questioning is great. It's just the way that you approach questioning. Um, If I say react is better than this framework uh, and you say like, you're a fucking idiot. You don't know. Like, this is actually better. Like, don't approach me like that. That's rude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Say why. Like, ask me why. And then it's, you know, it's when you when you come out with an opinion, you have to expect people to question it. And people should yeah. question it. I don't know. It's, again, people are, people forget that the tech industry, a lot of us that are in it are just, like, not good at social interaction. And, now like a lot of our social interactions on the internet which is just like a very constrained box that we're in to yeah. get our very complicated emotions out it's yeah yeah no that's fair i so going back to something i think the brendan Dyke thing was a bit of a loaded topic to uh, try to use as an analogy uh so that's one mistake i may have made up one it's like the seven thousandth mistake i've made um <laughs> but at no, least you, know you can admit that you know what i mean that's another thing like just admitting yeah. that you're flawed like and we're all flawed i'll even admit yeah. that i'm flawed i'll take it back later but <laughs> i'm crossing my fingers but <laughs> um yeah you know i think we may see eye to eye on some things and we may have different opinions on some things but what does seem to be the case is that we would have a polite argument and by argument i mean a uh, a discussion with differing views not yelling at each other right um and still be okay with that granted if if i came out and i was like i hate women then yeah you're probably like i don't want to hang out with this guy that's not the case obviously you're on my podcast but it's like i, th- I think i think what ends up happening a lot now is folks pass judgment on a person's entire being based off of one small moment so, oh, Jen doesn't like react. Fuck her. I, I can't, I'm not going to hang out with her. And like that, I mean, granted these things happen in much larger scale. Um, but I think that that is what happens a lot. And it's making, unfortunately, I, I am a firm believer that it's making the internet no longer a place of, uh, of safety to some, rec- I mean, the internet has always had a dark side, but I think that dark side is growing a bit more. It's being more commonplace. It's like, it's, it's being really hard to feel comfortable on the internet and to find solace in it. Right. And you're talking about a medium, which was created with the sheer intent to share information uh, and then became a medium for communication between peers. And it's like this, I don't know, it's this like whole holistic thing that's just like inherently should be good, 
but then you get a bunch of people who realize that you can be bad on there too and not have any repercussions and that sometimes happens and and that's the thing that really pisses me off uh about the the, the culture as a whole is that it's very it's there are people who will tell me like oh i would get into open source development something i'm very passionate about but i don't because I see these other situations where people would put something on GitHub and everyone would yell at them or tell them that they're wrong. And like, I just don't need that negativity in my life. And that so angers me that someone wants to make something and wants to give something to the world, but they don't because they don't want to open themselves up to like negativity or yeah. people like ask me, like I said a thing and uh, now everyone's like yelling at me. Like, how do you handle this? And I mean, I I grew up sort of using humor as a defense mechanism, and I, sure. I mean, to this day, I do it. Every all the self deprecation like that co- that comes off of me is like you know sort of like armor against sure. like all that. So I could handle this stuff, but it still like upsets me when I see other people being treated the way that I'm treated with my satire. When people yell at me for that it's easy for me to remove myself because it's a character that they're yelling at and really the joke is on them. Yeah. But those people do the same thing to real people who might be incorrect or even right. But the person who's yelling at them is incorrect. And it's just like, everyone just treats uh, everyone. So uh, disrespectfully Mm -hmm. and just the the idea that there are people and, and mostly like women have approached me about this that are not, using their fullest potential and putting out stuff in the world because they're afraid of that mm-hmm. is so upsetting and it's harmful to the community as a whole because the community is missing out on yeah. really great content, whether it's jokes or just ideas or code or design and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I think what ends up happening is that we hold ourselves to a lower standard um, and we hold our peers to a, this like unrealistically high standard. So if you, put something on GitHub and I look at it, I'm of the impression that what you've done should be the best thing you've ever done. But when I do, it's like, nah, bro, it's just a project. Like chill the fuck out. And we sort of don't, it's again, it goes back to empathy. We don't understand that maybe you just started fucking around with D3 and you don't know shit about it. And maybe your implementation is incorrect. And that's, and you just pushed it because you're, you, you push everything just open source. Right. Um, and people don't think about that. They just assume that, no, if you, they, I don't know why, but they assume that whatever someone creates has to be of the utmost quality, but when they make it, it can be shit. It's like a, I don't know, like a get out of jail free card for themselves almost. And, you know, I've definitely done that probably more so with, so I play a lot of basketball and there's definitely times. uh, So I play like at the YMCA, some of the YMCAs in Brooklyn and I hustle the fucking middle schoolers. Um, But there's times where I'm like looking at somebody I mean, it's mostly just like guy, you know, men playing against men, you know, boys against boys, whatever. Uh, there's not very m- many women that play at these YMCs. I don't know why, but um, there's like a guy who's not as good, and I'm like, really, fucking dude, you didn't know? Like, that's the pass you should have made. But in the back of my mind, what I really need to be thinking about is like, one, we're at the YMC fucking A of of the of all the places, we're at a family gym, and two, I I play basketball. Bas- playing basketball is the longest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I've done it since I was five. This other person may have just started playing basketball last year, right? So it's that the premise of empathy being like, well, wait a second. 
he might not be as good. He might not have as much knowledge or maybe like, maybe he pulled a hamstring, right? Like there's so many other things that can be going on. So yeah, I think I, I definitely see a common thread in this conversation, which a lot of it is around just sort of respecting others and having a bit more empathy for the people you coexist around, whether it's in person or on the internet. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you're, I mean, we all, we're always preaching to the choir and it's not something I feel like I can do to help. Um, I tried with like satire, uh, but it's just the people who are so angry and so quick to like jump down people's throats who are just trying to like do a good thing. Uh, they're the ones that have like the personality problem. Uh, yeah. And I can't solve that. I can shame them. Uh, <laughs> I can be like, Hey, look at yourself. You, you look ridiculous like right now, but that usually like, Sometimes it helps. I've had a couple of people be like, wow, like you totally fooled me. Like I'm going to like think next before I like actually do this. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that's like really great. Like you are an adult. Like you just said like a very adult responsible thing. And yeah. that's very rare and refreshing, uh, which is sad. <laughs> but I think of the people who, who, who yell at others who are just looking for some sort of like positive reinforcement in themselves are just not getting it in their jobs or from like their friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they look for it on the internet. And I mean, there are guys who just like get off on just harassing women. Like I, I can't solve any of these problems. Um, I just end up a part of them just for like being me. And yeah, I don't, this is what you get for being so cool. Like, why do you have to be so cool? It's again? just so hard to be so <laughs> awesome. Patrick, uh, we can, we could talk about that for another hour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there'll be people who are like uh oh, jen like here she is like talking about how great she is again and like totally like not getting the point of just yeah yeah that it's funny and yeah i i guess generally speaking i sort of wish the internet was all of us being a bit drunk right because when you're slightly drunk not like super shitty drunk but when you're slightly drunk everything's a little bit more funnier and nothing is taken as serious as when it is when you're sober which is like sort of the perfect state to be in i'm not advocating for alcoholism at all i'm just saying that like what you're saying is that you wish that everyone would just lighten up a bit yeah basically (laughs) um which is what i feel like like the new york javascript community like we have all (laughs) these meetups that that we run and Everyone is just like super. Wait, 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 chill. hold on. Can we can we definitive thing? You live in Jersey City, you don't live in New York, so I don't know that you can be a part of that. I'm totally joking. <laughs> oh Your my face. God. You're I, like, wait, I, what? <laughs> the, 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 the whole Jersey versus New York thing is so tired. Uh like I've only lived here for five years, so I got a, another good couple years to make jokes wait, about. Where did you grow up? Probably be over. I grew up in Florida. I'm oh, the butt right. of Florida. every joke. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a real place. Um, it's a real place. It's just the it, Florida is America's hell. It's like <laughs> if hell was the uh, was in the bathroom of a Denny's in like the worst neighborhood in Nebraska. That's Florida. Just like See, I can't, levels I can't and levels picture of shit. that because I've never been to Nebraska. Um, I've been. To I Denny's, haven't either. But I, I, Denny's was my spot to go. But it's just like Florida's a terrible place, which is, is, is in my opinion is. Anyone who grew up in Florida has a get out of jail free card to make fun of any other place only because their childhood was shit entirely. Well, Jersey is, is great. Um, I wrote a meetup called Jersey script where we all just hang out in the barcade. 
uh, here in Jersey City. And oh, you guys have a barcade over there? Yeah, it's. I, I think it was the that. second barcade ever. Um, I, wait, I always thought there was only just that one in like Williamsburg or wherever it is. No, there's one in Williamsburg. There's a couple in Manhattan. Uh, there's one in Jersey City, and there's one in Philly. Oh shit, man! Yeah, a little franchise going on. Yeah, um, and yeah, so like the last Tuesday of every month, we all just like hang out and and chat and drink and eat and play vintage arcade games. It's a lot of fun, and it's part of this sort of family of uh, meetups that we call Borough JS. Um, there's Brooklyn yep. JS, Manhattan JS, Queens JS. And now we have so, like a node box meetup and, you know, we just like, everyone's really chill. It's a very safe, open like space for everyone. We, some of the meetups have talks and it's just like a welcoming, like we're here because we are interested in tech or we like work in tech and we want everyone to feel like they can do that also if they wanted to. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, fun fact: I live like two blocks away from where they do Brooklyn JS, but oh. I can never make it. I buy a ticket almost every time, and I always have to give it away because I have like a doctor's appointment or something else fucking comes up that I have to do. Oh, it's you're so out. Brooklyn I know. JS the, is so much fun. I know, and it's so close to my apartment, which is why I really want to go because, God forbid, I got really hammered. It's not that far of a walk. Um, <laughs> But the other thing I was going to say is um, what – so I don't live in Jersey City, so I can't say that I'll ever go to Jersey Script unless it's on like a weekend, which it, you just said. It Jersey City is actually pretty close to you, and actually a lot of the people that is go to really? Brooklyn JS also go to Jersey Script. But, so I heard, I heard noise that the path is like a terrible thing after hours. Like it's uh, just like it's, it doesn't come as frequently or something like that. That's always been my hesitance to go to Jersey City and like – go to a bar there's because god forbid i gotta come back at 1 a.m and the path you know hypothetically only runs once an hour or something and i miss it that that's like yeah it is concern. it is like a once every 40 minutes um and you can take it from you would take it to like the world trade center because yeah. uh, like you you live in a good spot where you can take it to the world trade center and then get on like the f the train, a train. Yeah. uh yeah it's a direct it all right so that's fair so i will make it out to jersey scripts yeah there's um, no reason not to yeah, and what I like about it, and this is my own preference, um, there are a lot of technical meetups that revolve around talks, which is fine. It's a lot of information sharing, but there are not a lot of technical meetups or technical groups that are like Jersey Script, where it's just like, hey, come to this bar and just hang out. Like, let's not do a talk about X, Y, or Z, or why this new thing is the hotness. Let's just fucking fuck around and like play video games. Like, I like that part yeah. of it because I, th- I think. The shit. Have a good time. Yeah. Be be with each other outside of, you know, a sort of tech space. And learn more about each other because we all have, like, really great hobbies and interests and stuff. And, yep. you know, rarely do I, I – I was thinking about this the other day. Like, rarely have I had a, like, technical conversation at a Jersey script. And that's, like, pretty pretty cool. You should put a rule in that says if you talk about work-related topics for more than five minutes, you owe me a beer. <laughs> that's – that's good. Yeah, that's that's normally like my life rule. It's interesting because I feel like one, it's a hard topic to get away from because in technology, a lot of us entrench ourselves in our work, right? It becomes our, I say our work loosely, right? Not one project, but our work becomes our life's masterpiece to some degree, or at least some people see it that way. So I can see how it might be somewhat difficult to remove yourself from that, right? If you're if you're the the person who made React, it's one probably re- really refreshing to not have to talk about it, but when you do talk about it, you probably got a lot to say because you're just so um, integrated into it. 
You know what I mean? And like, it is a part of your life. So it's like, I don't know. I always give work like a, the first 10 minutes of a thing, like meet up. It's okay to talk about work. And then after that, like, we're not drunk enough if we're still talking about it. Yeah. And be like, okay, moving on. Like Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're rounding out about an hour and I don't want to keep you for too much longer. So I want to ask you uh, three questions. The first question, and we briefly talked about your upbringing, and I find, I personally, I find it interesting that unlike other people in development, I would argue and say it's probably 50-50 on these types of people. There are some people who have been programming since they were like fucking three, and then there's other people who didn't touch it until later in life. But, you know, knowing everything that you know now, if you could hop into a time machine when you and your grandma are chilling at Coney Island, is there anything that you would tell yourself? Like any advice kind of things. It, you can tell yourself that winning lotto numbers for all I care, but I'm just curious. <laughs> um, hmm. This is 100% what I would tell myself, but like would be weird to say like on a podcast, but like boys, like when I was younger, I was like, boys are like dumb and mean. And I would tell myself like, boys are always going to be dumb and mean. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> given given I mean, the state like, of thing now, I think yeah. that's I think that's an adequate right. thing to say. Like it's just like, oh, this is like not something that a lot of people grow out of and yeah, prepare I think for that. Someone once described it to me is that um the way life is in high school, like the the way interactions happen in high school is exactly how they will continue to happen after high school, give or take a few. Yeah. Um so if they're dumb and mean in high school, they're probably dumb and mean as an adult too. Yeah. And there's no such thing as like the real world. Like when you're in middle school and you're about to go to high school, they're like, Oh, high school. That's where like things get real. And then you're in high school and they're like, this is nothing. Like when you get to college, like that'll be the real. And then you go to college. And I went to a lot of college. Uh, it's like a bubble. And then like now working in tech, like it's just like another like yeah. safe bubble, you know what I mean? That we all have, like, there's no such thing as like full immersion with real life. Yeah, I think what people are trying to say is it's just a realm of your life in which you there's a lot more things you don't know and you don't know how to fix that. I mean, like, and I'm saying that in a very nice, coddly way, but it, my mom would be like, you know, she would say like the real world thing. What, I, what she really meant was like being a single mom raising two kids and still trying to pay a mortgage and buy a Christmas present. Like, you know what I mean? Like the real world is is definitely varying for everybody. But yeah. I think part of it is like understanding that and then like coexisting to some extent and maybe still having fun. I don't know. It's I do the podcast partially because it is fun because I get to talk to people that I I get to talk to people for 30 to 30 to 60 minutes uninterrupted that I might not have that time to talk to them otherwise. Like for you and I to have chatted for 30 to 60 minutes at the meetup would have been unrealistic to to expect. Um, and these kind of topics would have been terrible topics at the meetup. <laughs> Or any meetup. Um, so yeah, so yeah, no, I agree with you. The next question is the exact same question with one variance. And instead of going back in time and telling yourself something, what would you tell someone who is new to the industry? Um, boys are dumb and mean. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would tell them. Oh, what would I tell someone? New? What do I tell people new now? Because I get emails a lot asking for advice for people who want to get into the industry, and I say like you always want to want you should always want to learn everything, no matter how old you are, or how long you've been in the industry. It's okay 
to be like, oh, this is something I need to learn and I want to learn it. Because I feel like once you get to the point where you feel like you know everything or you're just like, I'm so tired, I don't want to learn anything anymore, you're done. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to make it. And like, you shouldn't because I feel like this industry should remain a very quickly evolving uh, one and everyone should be wanting to both teach and learn. And you have to learn in order to teach. Uh, my background, I used to teach at the university. It was like, I have to like learn these things and then teach them. Yep. And it's just like a cycle. And once you like that cycles ended for you, that means like you, you probably need to like look into doing something else because it's just not like, you know, the personality that the industry needs. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, if we were not innately interested in learning and sharing the things that we learned, I think we'd all still be building shit with really old languages, right? Like it's the idea that we never would have moved forward and we never right. would be like really cool stuff that we get to do now. Right. That's fair. Um, the last question, it's called the super fun time question and it's obscure. It has no relevance to the podcast. Before I ask that, I need to know anything. Do you have any pets? I have two cats who like have been fighting and growling and one vomited. Um, we'll caught the awesome. hairball. Um, I don't know if it's going to come out in the audio, but <laughs> if it does, I, I'm going to tell the make sure to make sure to amplify it. that. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I have two um, black cats. Okay, so I know from the internet that you just like cats, and that's been proven here since you have two of them. We are being transported to an alternate universe in which cats don't exist, and you have to have a new favorite animal. It doesn't have to be a domesticated household pet. It's just a new animal. What animal would that be? Snake. Okay. So like garden snakes or like anaconda? Do I have to choose one species of snake? Because I just like no, not a at whole all. variety. I think garden snakes are pretty chill. I'm just thinking because like you, an- anaconda could kill you, right? But then a garden snake is just going to like chill. That's sort of my my scale of variances. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd rather like not be like in fear of my life, but <laughs> yeah. Wait, you don't want to be that guy that has like frosted tips and like spiky hair, and he's got like the boa constrictor, and he's walking around town with it. You don't want to be that guy. Basically, Guy Fieri with the boa. Guy Fieri with the boa. Um, I mean, he seems to have a relationship with that snake. Um, that is ideal for him and that he's alive. I would be into that. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think of like pets as like, like, yeah, pets are friends. So if it was any animal that even if they were deadly, if they were my pet, they would be like my friend. They wouldn't kill me. That would be an assumption I'd make. I like things that like people are normally afraid of. Like I think spiders are cool. I like snakes. Uh, rodents are like pretty neat. Uh, I mean, I have black cats, uh, and I've had people who are, like, superstitious of black cats, and I kind of really? like that, like, people are idiots about that kind of stuff. I um, had a black cat growing up. His his name was Peaches because he was a stray, and we thought he was a girl, so I named her Peaches, and then we realized <laughs> her was a him, and I was too lazy to change her name from Peaches to anything else. That's nice. Peaches is a good name for a male cat, I think. I, I always so. wish that I had a male, like name like I, I i i was always thinking like if my name was like frank or edgar. george i think your name should be edgar 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 is or, a, a or name. otis you've got to go like old school male name so like thomas otis anderson 
uh, Franklin. You got to get like presidential with it. Yeah. Um, Barack. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay. So you've, an- you've answered that. You would do a snake, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on the internet to yell at you? Okay. Um, I use Twitter a lot. I'm Jen Schiffer on Twitter. Uh, my website that has all of like my art and all my like open web stuff is genmoney.biz. And which is the greatest, the greatest domain name. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, everything is on there. Um, I'm all over the internet. I love the internet. I love social media. Um, like when, when peach came out, I was like, cool. Another site. Um, I like love just interacting with people because that's like how I got started was just like fiending for friendship uh, out of my like shitty childhood. Um, And so now I'm in like a not shitty adulthood, but still using the internet. And I think that that's really great. And all the people that I know and my job and the things I do would not be without uh, social media. And so I'm excited to see how it will play into my later adulthood. It'll probably get worse, but you know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news or anything. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I I have a, I have a sense of humor and, and quick wit that, you know, whenever anybody does yell at me online, I get them back like 20 fold. There you go. Um, Well, cool. Jen, I appreciate you being on the podcast with me today and taking you know, bringing yourself to the level of peasants on this peasantry Sunday. Peasantry so Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> They're playing a whole it. like football game about it today. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Peasant team A and peasant team B. Um, <laughs> all right. So we know where to find you online. That's all good. I want to say one last time, thank you for joining me on the show. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much. This is like a really good conversation um, that I enjoy having with people because it's not tech focused, like in terms of like creating tech, but uh, the whole um, social aspect and like culture aspect is really important. And I think that that is what drives the tech that we create. Yeah, no, it's very true. I think it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's definitely a balance. It's like an interesting world. I don't know. Part of the reason why I do something like this, I've mentioned this to other people, but uh, part of the reason why I do is because when I first wanted to get into development, I didn't know any developers. I had no idea how people got into development. I mean, you know, I wasn't an idiot in college and I knew that applying, cold applying for a job works, but not all the time. Like there's different ways, right? Like you have a friend that works here and they recommend you, et cetera. So I didn't know that many developers. And then I was like, wait, I can do this. I'll do a podcast where I talk to people about their lives, which is a good topic. It's a topic that will constantly like, I can have a, an hour long conversation with you about your life because it's you talking and then I get to ask questions and you get to answer it. Like it, it, it's good. It's good baseline. Um, and I get to learn a little bit and I get to meet new people. And that was the beginning. That was when I first started um, or when the idea came about and then growing. What I realized uh, that I find more interesting is less about you working at the NBA or how you got that job and more about the fact that you, and I, I, at this point I'm making this up, but that you had, in, uh, you felt inferior in your first jobs because you realized that all your coworkers were programmers since they were five and you only started programming in college, right? Like these sort of like 
inner thoughts that fuel our sort of person throughout an industry uh, that it has a very, very strong effect on. So I find like the people aspect of shit substantially more interesting than the um, react versus angular. Yeah. I mean, we're building tech for people. So talking about being people is really important and something that people forget to do. And yeah. 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 It's sort of, it's like, it's scary. It, I, I, I say this to friends all the time, but I'm afraid we're going to end up in a world like the movie Wally where we're all like, have like zero bone density. We're fat blobs and all we can do is sit in chairs and we stare at screens. Like we sit next to one another, but communicate through the computer in front of us to the person next to us. And that to me is like my biggest fear is that we are going to remove the human aspect of humanity um, for the sake of convenience Mm -hmm. or automation in some regard. And it's sort of scary, you know? Yeah. I don't think it will get to that point though. At least not before I die. That's really all I care about. <laughs> I, I had, yeah, right. That's fair. Um, there you are, pulling up that ladder behind you. <laughs> um, I'm pulling the yeah. ladder into my coffin with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I think you're right. I think at the very least, we're going to get to a point where people that becomes more prominent. Well, well like the identification of like this like lack of humanity, and then we're just sort of going to like reset the clock, so to speak, and go, you know, and start working backwards rather to bring people more into it. I, it's interesting. It's interesting to me. I, right now I think it's a very tumultuous time to be in our community because there's a lot of talk and realistically a lot of um, accusation on a variety of things, whether it's race, whether it's sex, whether it's some form of equality. It's sort of scary. It's a little bit scary, right? Depending on who you are or what you say, obviously if you're a straight up asshole, fuck you. But otherwise, if you're a good-hearted person and you say something that's taken out of context, that could be really uh, detrimental. And it's sort of scary. And I don't think anybody came into this industry to make it more scary, scary or make it uh, a place of fear or anything like that. And I think we're just going through a bit of a cycle. You know, like shit got real and now people are realizing, you know, the benefits or the downfalls of that and they're making it a better place. Yeah. And I think another – and like I, I mean I have coworkers and, and, and colleagues who – have said like, you know, I, as like a white male, I'm afraid to like explain something without being accused of like mansplaining and being yelled at. And, and I always say like, yeah, that like is a fear for you. My fears are like, I tell a joke and someone says I should be beheaded and that they find out where my address is. And I'll like, like the fears are very different. And so it's a sort of assuage those fears. I'm like, yeah, like Mm -hmm. you might be accused of that, but like, that's like not, like a huge deal like from my yeah. perspective i know i know men who have um threatened women and been called out for it and they lose their job and then yeah. like the next day they have a new and better job and i'm just yeah. like men will be fine like everyone will. will be like okay and if you're like a good person and you slip up and you apologize properly you should have yeah. a support system of friends that are hopefully diverse Mm -hmm. to like help you out with it. Like I've had guys who've slipped up and said really super like sexist shit and I've called them out on it and they like apologize. And it was like, cool. I'm glad that you know that it was wrong and you won't do it again. Like let's move on. I mean, sometimes people say stuff and they don't, the context in which it's said in their head is not the context it comes out in. And it's actually not a good thing to say. And they're like, Oh wait, Holy shit. Like my bad. Yeah. I think it's totally fair. You know, it's interesting. The one thing I would say, and, and I'm, 
I don't, I'll get you the book title, but I read a book recently that talked about this. It's the idea that like, um, let's say you and I go to lunch and I get the steak and you get a fucking tomato sandwich. Let's say you love tomato sandwiches are your favorite thing. And I'm like, why don't you get the steak? This place is known for steak. And you're like, I I love tomato sandwiches. And I say, you don't know what you're missing. Right. So you, you brought this idea that like, for some guys being accused of mansplaining is like the end of the world, whereas you're getting death threats. And um, the idea of you don't know what you're missing exists. And by that, for a guy, being accused of mansplaining on the internet might be the worst thing he's ever experienced. So having a death threat uh, or you know being threatened to death, I don't know how you would <laughs> – I don't know the verbiage on that. But uh, being given a death threat is something they may have never experienced. So like their quote-unquote low or high might not match yours or anybody else's. So it's like – it's a sliding scale of empathy, unfortunately, empathy. right? Like, it all goes back yeah. to empathy. Empathy. Yeah, so it's 2 o'clock. I want to let you go. But I do okay. want to say thank you again for having for for having me on your show, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, Patrick, thanks for coming to my show, my new <laughs> podcast. Exactly. No. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really good. Oh, thank you very much.